Good day to you. We are reading in the book of Romans. This is Paul's letter uh, to the Roman Christians. We uh, read chapter 7 last time, and now we are ready to read chapter 8. In chapter 7, Paul had explained how we are free from the law and the sin, but also, let me see if I get this right, but also that um, we uh, we have this uh, conflict within us where our flesh and our earthly human side you know, want to do, want to do the sin things, want to do the sinful things, but our, our uh, newborn or newfound spirit in Christ wants to do the things of God, and how there's this conflict, and how there's um, always, always this this inner conflict with us um, going on, but that we can we can win that conflict out you know through the spirit of god through uh, our faith and by following continuing you know to follow the lord um we can win out over that uh, but it goes back to part of where he also says in the past you know this letter that uh all all have sinned and fallen short uh, that happens so that's just, that's just part of the daily struggle for us as a Christian. So in chapter 8, he's going to move on and start talking about life in the Spirit. And some of, um, some, um, some of the differences, but also just, just the way um, we should be living in the Spirit. How we should be following Jesus. So I'm going to read the last couple of verses of chapter 7 and then going to read into chapter 8. So uh, verse 24 in chapter 7. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. Now, now we're beginning chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. The old law was the law of sin and death. Now Jesus has come and given us the law of the Spirit. Where we live by the true intended heart of uh of God, you know, of purpose, uh, the heart of the Spirit, instead of going by the letter, the letter of the law. So, going to continue on. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. 
and we should be walking according to the Spirit, following and, and teaching as Jesus did, um, not going by the letter of the law, trying to get everybody to follow some specific guideline that is, well, more letter of the law, but following a true heartfelt um, law of loving one another and loving God. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Here again, we should be setting our minds on the things of God. We shouldn't be sitting around thinking of worldly things all the time. It's not that you can't have some entertainment and have some fun, but you know how it is. You can't let you just can't let all the stray thoughts that pop in your head. You can't just run and chase after them all day because we have a lot of thoughts that, you know, they're not uh, they're just not Christian. They're just not right. We can't follow just every little thing that pops in our head. Uh, sometimes we're mad, sometimes we're upset, sometimes we're not either of those things. Sometimes we just are tempted to sin and those thoughts come in your head. But we have to set our mind on the Spirit and follow God, follow the Bible, and, and, uh, and follow that, follow those thoughts. You know, we have to correct our mind. So to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. It is life and peace. It makes your life a lot better you can set your set your mind toward God and when your mind wants to stray you just kind of bring it back in line it takes you know I mean it's it's still not an easy thing we're not perfect but for the mind that is set on flesh is hostile to God for it does not submit to God's law indeed it cannot those who are in the flesh cannot please God if you just sit around and think of worldly things and a lot of times for guys, I mean, let's just be straightforward, for a lot of times for guys it's lustful things, um, then yeah, you're, you're, you're going to have your mind focused on the wrong things, you're going to be following those things instead of following God. That's a, it's a big temptation for a lot of men, I know it is. Um, there's other things you can get caught up in too, though, as well. You can get caught up in, I used to fantasize a lot about... Um, things that were uh, to me seemed fun and harmless and you know it wasn't anything you know even a lot of it wasn't even had nothing to do with uh, um, you know that kind of stuff lustfulness stuff or anything but uh, but I, I would just while I was working I would just fantasize about these things about fun things on the kind of adventurous things or whatever in my mind and um, Nothing inherently harmful in those thoughts, but if you just sit and whirl your mind on that all day, I don't know. I mean, that didn't really get me anywhere. That didn't really help me with anything. Whereas had I um, thought more on the Word of God and, and thought more about that, um, I think that would have helped me more. I think that would have made me a better Christian and a better person. But... Nonetheless, I'm just talking about, you know, things I've done in my past. Um, 
wasn't necessarily hugely it wasn't like it was even a sin to necessarily think about some of those things and fantasize some of those things kind of like making up your own little story in your head you know or something but um but i mean it's a choice of what you're what you're thinking about and if you think about things that are well inherently bad then you know you're going to the more you think on that the more you chew that over in your mind the more you know the harder it comes becomes to uh resist that temptation and it just takes you off down the wrong path Anyway, so you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give you life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you and I don't know let me see if I can say this right give me just a second <clears throat> I was feeling a little dry there um, <clears throat> I feel like over the past 10 or 15 years since I have you know, kind of doubled down and refocused on God and 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 tried to follow the Lord better. Whereas I considered myself a Christian and I I did try to do the correct things in years past. I just felt like I wasn't doing enough or or you know what I'm it's hard to describe, but I just felt like I needed to do more, like I needed to be more heavily involved in the word and everything. Um since then, I have felt like, and I, this is maybe one slight way of looking at this, I felt like my life has been um, boistered, has been better, has been improved. So he talks about, will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit, and he's talking about um, this, you know, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is in you I just feel like he's given me more a renewed life a renew a renewed um, yeah a renewed life I feel like uh, this has somehow invigorated my life and made it better and and it's because I'm not I've gotten further from the uh, the, the way that I used to be, the things I thought on even, like I say, even 10 or 15 years ago, uh, you know, and that's the way life should be. We should be growing and learning, but uh, I feel like the further along we go, as, as long as we follow this path and follow Jesus and and uh, seek seek God through his word, I feel like we do grow and, and we become more and more alive even though maybe our body is becoming more and more dead, I feel like we grow and we become spiritually more and more alive. Now maybe that does not quite go with that passage there, but those passages just made me think that that Paul is kind of referring to that a little bit. 
because it will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. And, you know, and I, I'm taking that loosely, not as a specific thing, like it's giving life to my body, but more like it's giving life to me in general. So anyway, let's move on. I'll try not to go on a tangent or anything crazy. So then, brothers, we are debtors, nor, not the... Okay, let me start that again. I do apologize. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. I think what Paul is saying here is very simple. But, and, and we're going to run into this, and sometimes I think Paul just says this the best, just like in the previous um, Gospels I said, you know, sometimes Jesus just says it the best, the clearest, just boom. But um, all he's saying here is we do not owe the flesh, we don't owe the law, um, we shouldn't be living according to the flesh, we shouldn't be following our base desires all the time. Um, we because if you live according to that and just go from desire to desire and just do what you want, you know, eat, drink, be merry, and do all the things that we would do, um, then you'll die. You you will spiritually die, and you will spiritually die in this this world in this earth. Um, it will be, you know, that separation from God. You will spiritually die before you even really die, and before your spirit really dies. But you will you will really have kind of a spiritual death on earth. Um, one of the things we don't realize is that when we're separated from God, we're really in kind of a, a you know a lesser spiritual death um, because our spirit is not alive and we're not, you know, God gave us. He gave us our life, our spirit. And when you're separated from God, that, that cannot live. It will not live. You will just... You'll just run off your base desires and off your humanistic thinking. And um, some people some people manage pretty good that way, but from what I've seen and from folks I've talked to and different things, I, I still don't see that um, without God that they can really be that they can really be that godly. I, I don't know how else to say it, that they can really be that um, that loving, that caring for others. Uh, I find that uh, when we are without God, we are also without quite a bit of charity and love and, and care for others. Now that's just partly my experience. So, I'm not trying to read anything into here, but here, um, beyond dying, Paul says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. When we are seeking God, pursuing God, when we are following Jesus, when we are um, baptized into the family of God, we are the children of God. We are this. This says sons of God. I think. Um, I think another thing is brothers and no. Let's. I think another way of looking at that is children of God, but. Uh, 
but regardless. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, because of the spirit of God is 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 the spirit of adoption that makes us sons, that makes us free. We do not have to follow the the lust of the flesh. We do not have to follow our humanistic thinking. We are free from those things. Yes, sometimes it takes some work to get out of the old bad habits and all that, but we are free. And we are free to go through Christ to God and get forgiveness for for when we do sin, when we do uh, mess up, when we do the things that we shouldn't do. Alright, so we'll continue on with verse 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So, we are children of God and we are heirs with Christ. You can consider Christ our spiritual older brother. He's the first guy. So, and we are his younger siblings. Spiritually speaking, in the Lord, that is that is the way of things. We are a part of Jesus, a part of Christ. We are the church. We're God's church. We're we're Jesus's church. Um, but, and I mean us as believers, not us by any denomination or non-denomination or group or club or whatever you want to call it. Us as Christian believers, we are. We are those things. It doesn't matter. All those little labels don't mean anything. The only label that matters is that you are a Christian, that you are following Jesus. Sometimes we have things wrong. I'm certain that I, I'm certain that I have misunderstood something. That I have something wrong in my system of beliefs. That's why I continually study the Bible and and read God's word and try to learn more because I know that I'm not perfect that I don't know everything when we can look at others through that same glass or mirror prism and say they're like me they're trying they're trying to learn the correct ways yes they've misunderstood some things or they don't know some things that they need to know when we can look at it more like that and understand that we're all on this journey and yes some of us are further along than others and know things that the others don't there's always I don't know about you I can always learn something from someone else doesn't matter if they're way younger than me if they're much older than me or whatever I can always learn something from them So we have to look at things a little differently than we've been looking at things for a lot of our lives. For a lot of our lives, we've kind of been told and looked at other groups that we need to disassociate ourselves and stay away from them. Now, I am talking about Christian groups. Now, and I'm, I'm going to be specific about two things here that I don't mean to be offensive, but specifically these things are an issue that I don't know. I don't know how we get around these. Um, these people would have to change their faith, I believe. Um, 
Mormons who believe that uh, John Smith and his book, whatever his book is, I've, I don't think I've ever read it, they who put that above Jesus in the Bible, I'm sorry, that's totally wrong. I, I don't... They, they have to not, really, basically, you can't be a Mormon and be a Christian because you're following John Smith. You're not following Jesus. At the end of the day, who is your priority? Who are you listening to and following? And if you're not following John Smith and you're following Jesus, you're not a Mormon anyway. You can't be. You're just not a Mormon. A Mormon follows John Smith and his teachings. I hope, that is the right name, John Smith, right? Because that always bothers me. That's such a generic name. You know, it's kind of the uh, the name we kind of joke about, you know, John Smith, you know. Anyway, or John Jones type of thing. But nonetheless, um, you get the idea. If you're really truly following Jesus and the Bible, then you're not following the Mormon way. You're not following that guy whoever he was, who saw the angel and received some book, which, anyway, we won't get into all that, but, you know, we know that's wrong. And then, there is the Catholic Church. If you are, or if you believe the Pope is God on earth, or if you believe that you're supposed to pray to Mary, or if you're you know, worshiping the saints, then it's all a big form of idolatry. That's all. That's all wrong. I'm sorry. That's not the way it's supposed to be. If you're worshiping the organization and their teachings over Jesus and the Bible, then that's not really being a Christian. But if you are, if you are following Jesus and the Bible, and that's your first thing, and you're not really following the rest of that, and you don't really follow and believe, you know, all these other things about the saints and about the Pope and all that, well, then you're not really a Catholic anyway. Because there you're just being a Christian. You're just trying to follow God and Jesus and the Bible. And the Bible. So that's not really being a Catholic. Being a Catholic is, you know, praying to Mary and and doing all these little ritualistic things that are very, very ritualistic, like, um, really goes back to, a lot of it goes back to Judaism, in a way, and performing these little rites and ceremonies just so, you know, and everything's kind of letter of, letter of the law. Um, and you have to believe that the Pope is infallible and all this stuff, which is just not true. He's a human, same as everybody else. So... And that's just two examples, okay? There's probably others that I'm not thinking of, and, and maybe you know of some. But you're either following Jesus, God, seeking God in the Bible, through the Bible, or you're not. It's that simple. So you're either Christian or you're not. It doesn't matter that other label you have on you, if you have that label. It does, it's meaningless. It doesn't mean anything. That's just... It's just like a man's clubhouse thing. You know, I could be the, uh, um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a good club, and I can't think of a club. I could be in the, um, oh, I don't know. Um, well, like, um, like I'm in a, a little Halo club where we like to play Halo. 
that sort of silliness, you know, a video game. You can be in little clubs, but those clubs don't mean anything. They're just for entertainment or just so that you can meet people of like minds and do similar things. You could be in a book club that people enjoy sci-fi books or something like that. The, the club serves a purpose, but isn't but it isn't what you're following or chasing. And, and so that's how it is also with uh, denominations, is that as long as you put the Lord first, the Bible first, God first, um, then you're okay. The only problem is, is when men come down, it doesn't matter who the man is or who the men are, they come down with rules that go against or are contrary to the word of God, or you put those men and those rules ahead of Jesus and the word of God. That's when it's a mistake. That's when you're wrong. Um, I don't think most people do that. I think most people try to have guidelines and, and for other reasons, just like our society, we try to have guidelines. We have laws. So I have really gotten off on a tangent. I do so apologize. But we are all heirs. Okay, I'm getting back to, to this. We are all heirs of Christ. We are all children of God. If we have the Spirit of God in us, if we have been baptized, if we're saved, and we've, we've been baptized, okay? Now, we have to realize that to be saved, you have to be baptized. Now, that is the one outward act of faith that God requires of us for us to be saved and to come into his family. And the reason for that is, is that you always need an act of faith with your faith, with your belief. You always have to have, you need some act. Um, sometimes that act is simply just praying. But in this case, it is not. It is an act. It is an outward act that shows and tells the world that you have been um, basically, you have been born again, you have been raised from the dead with Christ, and that you believe in Jesus and you're proclaiming his death and resurrection. Okay, so, verse 18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Now, in the previous verse, um, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him, well, we suffer with him by the things we go through in this life. Sometimes we receive persecution, sometimes, you know, various different things we may suffer in this life. And then he says, For I consider the sufferings of this present time, this life, are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. So, Paul considers the sufferings that we have in life to be negligible, to be worthless, in comparison to what we get, to the, the glory that we receive through God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay, and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. 
So he's saying that all of creation is waiting for the sons of God, is waiting for this time where God is now putting his spirit in us and we are living according to the spirit and we are pursuing and seeking God and his kingdom. And that all of creation has been longing for this. And now, and now we have that. Because before Jesus, before he died and rose again for us, um, Adam had turned things over in a in a large way. Had turned things over to Satan. He had he had basically worshipped Satan in a way by by believing him and not believing God. I mean that was their big mistake in the in the garden. Don't be deceived. Um, Adam and Eve. Their big mistake was that they did not believe God. That they allowed themselves to think that God would have told them something not true and they did what they were not supposed to do. So in that act it showed a belief or a mindset it showed it, it showed in them that they you know um, it's it, that's really what's important to see there. It's not the act itself but it's just the fact that they chose to disbelieve God and then they chose to act and do the acts that he had said you know do not do for their own good and safety now not for any other reason not for any selfish reason but for their own good he had said don't do this anyway so since they had been put since they had put everything under creation they had basically handed it over to the adversary um, so now, creation has been growing together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. And we do. We look forward to the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. Let me back up. I didn't read that very well. For in this hope we are saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. See, we're hoping for something we do not see. We believe in something we do not see. We are waiting patiently for what we do not see. But we believe. And we believe that we will have um, a, a redeem, you know, we believe we have redemption even now. Okay? We believe that we are redeemed and that we are li living in the kingdom of God now. We are citizens of God's kingdom. We're God's children. That makes us citizens. Um, but we don't see that. We believe that. That is a spiritual thing. The kingdom of God is, is a spiritual thing. And um, so we don't see that, but we believe in that. And then he mentions the redemption of our bodies, and I believe that is more like we will have a redeemed and glorified body, you know, at the end. Um, but he does mention as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons. So, and that is, and not only creation, we ourselves who had the first fruits of the Spirit. You know, when we're first, 
you know, when we first have that and we want to be um, a child of God, we want to be baptized into the family of Christ. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. I'm, I'm continuing on with verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. If you ever feel that way, I feel like sometimes I just don't have the words. I don't know how to pray uh, like I should. But the Spirit, the Spirit also helps us in our prayer and... Uh, and he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. So here we're talking about the Spirit helping us in our weakness and helping intercede for us And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Now that's referring to, I believe, God himself. He who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints. And we have, you know, again, we have the Spirit of God in us. We, you know, we do not have the same... Hmm miracle powers that they had in the past in Jesus day and and the uh, the apostles had but we do have the spirit of God in us and we know that for those who love God all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose so we're talking you know here again he's talking about being heirs and he's talking about future glory the way we're growing into God and and, and being redeemed and, and with the way we're adopted and we uh, know that the Spirit helps us in our weakness that it, the Spirit intercedes for us sometimes we don't know how to pray but the Spirit I think the Spirit prays for us and relays um, to God and also we have Jesus as well but we have it's, it's kinda like we have another interceder here um, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Now here, where as we move along, we're seeing that these things, you know, um, when we say we know that for those who love God, all things work together, these things like the Spirit and the praying and, and the other things we go through, the sufferings of the present time even, even um, these are helping us conform to the image of his Son. They're helping us to learn and be closer to Jesus, helping us to move farther down that path with the Lord. These things we go through, uh, these um, these sufferings of the present time, but also the Spirit of the Lord, the, the, the Spirit of God. These things together are helping us conform. Now, also, it also invo involves, for us nowadays, our, our Bible, 
back then they would have had the scrolls or the scriptures, however you want to say it. But for us, we have our we have the Word of God in book form, and it's helping us to conform to the image so that. Christ would be the firstborn among many brothers, so that we would be those other brothers and sisters, those other siblings. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Because God has called all of us. He's called everyone, really. When you get right down to it, he predestined and called everyone. He has room and a place for everyone. They, if they would just accept, if they would just accept God, this isn't predestiny as in you know you can't control your own fate or you have no freedom of will. This is predestined in that he has a place and a purpose, and there's room for everyone all the time, always. And if you accept that call and you come into the family of Christ then as you work through these things in life, all things will work to your good and you will be, you will go through these things. You will, um, God will justify you and who he justifies, he will glorify, you know, just like it's saying. Then, if we move on from there, uh, verse 31, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Well, that's because all things work to our good. All things are working to improve us and conform us to Jesus. So, what shall we say about these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? That's right. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all for us all, how will he not also... <clears throat> Excuse me, hold on a second. <clears throat> okay. <clears throat> Let me, let me do this again. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. That's right. We are not to bring any charge against other Christians either. I mean, I don't, I don't know that that's specifically why he's saying this, but if you'll just look at this and think about this, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also? <clears throat> how will he not also, with him, graciously give us all things? So God gives us all things, and He does. He gives us all things. Everything here He has given to us. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. So. There is no charge for us to bring against others, other Christians. It is God who justifies them. He freely forgives them just like he does us. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God? Who indeed is interceding for us? So, to go back to the beginning of the chapter, verse 8... I mean, verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God? Who indeed is interceding for us? 
Jesus is doing all that. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? These are rhetorical questions with the answer of no one. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Shall any of these things separate us from the love of Christ, from the love of God? No. No, and go back to verse 18. For I consider the sufferings of this present time not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. We will go through things. We will go through you know, hard things. Verse 36, as it is written, For your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So, through all these things we are more than conquerors. We're, we are children of God. We are a part of the kingdom of God. We are heirs to heaven and we are more than conquerors no matter what you go through in this life no matter how things go in a earthly humanly sense when we follow God when we follow Jesus when we um, live the spiritual life and we are the sons of God and the daughters of God we are the children of God and we have the spirit interceding for us in our own humanly, you know, in ourselves, and then we have Jesus interceding for us with God in heaven, we are, you know, when we're living that spiritual life, we are more than conquerors through all these things, no matter what we go through. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, or depth, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that's absolutely true. The Lord and God, that they love everyone always, even before, even before you come to God. God loves you. God loves you always. He wants you to come to Him. He wants you to be saved. He wants you to, to be baptized into his family because he loves he loves everyone he wants that for us that's why it says we are predestined because he loves everyone there's room for everyone he wants everyone now as we know early on in Romans that if you want to continue in sin and you don't want to be a part of God's family and you would prefer to live outside of that he will not he's not going to come and grab you and make you do something you don't want to do you have free will God is not going to do that he you know he'll let you he'll let you live the life you want to live no matter how bad that is so that is really the end of chapter 8 okay and chapter 8 really is a lot about when we look at this it's really about living and following the Spirit and how, how that affects us and what that makes us. It makes us heirs with Christ. Um, it means that we are not following the law, but we're following the, not following the letter of the law, we're following the law of love, we're following 
um, in Jesus' footsteps where he said to love God and love each other and we're doing that. And then the things we go through in this life, the difficulties, difficulties we have, um, they are not they are not worthy of, of concern, you know. If God is for us, who can be against us really? Everything works to our good. And we are debtors. We are debtors to Christ. We owe Christ a debt. You know, we have received the spirit of adoption where we can go to our Father and ask for forgiveness. So we owe it to the Lord. We owe it to Jesus to live according to the Spirit. That's how we are debtors. And um, that's, that's, you know, that's, those are the themes of this, of this part, this chapter of Romans. And I can see the way they've broken this up, I will give them credit in that this chapter makes good logical sense. And the way they broke it from the other chapters is okay. Maybe not the best, but pretty good. Because um, we are talking about life in the Spirit and being heirs. And then, you know, the sufferings we go through here and how that's not, you know, it's not worth comparing to the glory we receive from God and going to heaven. And then we talk about the everlasting love of God and Jesus and, you know, how if God is for us, who can be against us? And, and you, you go back even to, um, you know, all things work together for our good. Um, that also is a part. That's a part of that love, too. Because some things are hard to go through in life. But we're, we learn from those things and we grow from those things. Just like you help your child go through things in life that aren't easy. But you help them get through it and you help them learn and grow from it. And that's what, that's what God does with us as well. So I'm probably just all over the place with this, but there's a lot of good, a lot of really good teaching here from Paul in chapter 8. I've probably not even hit everything, um, but if you have some way, if you want to uh, mention something about that in the comments somewhere, um, let me know. But that is chapter 8 of Romans. I want to thank you for listening. Hope you have a wonderful day. Remember to uh, stay safe. I know right now the world is still going through a crazy time with the virus, so stay safe. Um, watch after yourself and your family and your loved ones, and, and watch after others as well. Be on the lookout for those who, uh, you know, who might need our help, okay? All right, and remember, God loves you.